thank you for tuning in to Voice of Hope, a broadcast ministry by the United Christian Church, Rockville, Maryland. We hope you are blessed by the sermon you are about to hear. Now, Father, we do give you thanks and praise for your grace and your mercy, oh God, and for your loving kindness. You look upon us, Heavenly Father, and instead of seeing the mess of God that we see, you see the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, which cleanses, which brings us in the right relationship, which causes us to be, O oh God, that which you desire for us to be, O oh God. And Lord, you desire, O oh God, that we should work while it is yet day. For night cometh when no man can work. We pray that you would move by the power of your spirit, that your word would go forth, and Lord, that we would hear, that we would heed, that we would be edified. In Jesus' name, that you would be glorified. Amen. I'm going to talk to you from a few texts of scripture and be jumping around a little bit and also tell you a story which will have a few, for lack of a better term, commercial breaks in between. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, if you'll open them to 1 Thessalonians 4.11. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. And after that, we will be turning to 2 Thessalonians 3. Verses 10 through 12. First Thessalonians 4, 11, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 and 12. First Thessalonians 4 and 11 reads, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 10 through 12. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Here we are again at Labor Day weekend. It's, it's a lot connected with this, and particularly as Pastor pointed out in the last five years, there's a lot connected with this with me. Not only is it a time that I go back for the next round with my school kids, but um, there's just a lot going on. Labor Day weekend. It's, it's, it's a strange holiday. We call it Labor Day, and yet we try to do as little labor as possible at this time. 
and many, if not most working people have the day off. Not everybody. Bless the Lord that we have those essential personnel, as they call them, firefighters and policemen and nurses and doctors and so forth, that they're there or they're on call. Uh, and the blessing is, is that we have those 24-hour pharmacies that are still rolling along as well. But here we are at Labor Day. Maybe we should call it Chill Out Day because, you know, <laughs> many of us are, are, are rushing off to the beach for summer's last gasp, you know. Gotta touch that water, get my toe in it one more time, you know. And, and just uh, lay out and sun ourselves and this and all other manner of leisure activities. Often it's a bad weekend for church though because everyone wants to travel and be away. So congregations are often thin at that time and we recognize that. So Labor Day is different things to different people. Some people may have it as a day off. For policemen it's generally a nightmare because they're dealing with extra traffic and a lot of DUIs. Livestock still need to be cared for because we expect to be able to go to the store and find our chickens and our steaks and so forth and ground beef and so forth and ground turkey and all that good stuff. So the farmers and the ranchers, they still have another work a day. They have work in the fields and so forth. Cows gotta be milked. But for preachers often it provides an opportunity to talk about something that a lot of us don't wanna hear a lot about, which is work. A very important part of God's plan for people, for all people. Now, before I get into the nitty gritty of that, I, I wanna start off with the beginning of a true story. And we're gonna do this story throughout this message in installments, okay? If you don't mind. Even if you do, that's the way I planned it, so. <laughs> um, during World War II, the battleship, the USS Astoria, was the first US cruiser ship to engage with the Japanese during the Battle of Savo Island. It was a night action, and they fought it on the 8th of August and the 9th in 1942. Although the Astoria scored two hits on the Imperial flagship Chokai, she was so badly damaged that she sank shortly after noon on the 9th of August. Well, about two o'clock that morning, a young Midwesterner who was a signalman third class named Elgin Staples was swept overboard by the blast when the Astoria's number one eight-inch gun turret exploded. He was wounded in both legs by shrapnel and he was in semi-shock when he went over the side. But he was kept afloat by a narrow life belt that he managed to activate with a simple trigger mechanism. Now we're gonna put a bookmark in the story right there and, I, and we'll have more later. But first, point one. God has always honored and provided work. God has always honored and provided work. Now that's, that's not generally a place where you, we say it, but we should say amen right there. Okay. Genesis 2, 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Never one to not give an example. From the very beginning, he shows us that work is a good thing. Without it, we wouldn't be here. 
Oh, that. Okay, without it, we wouldn't be here. God worked with that six-day action, you know. God is a worker himself, and he also appreciates rest for those workaholics. He created us in his image, and he also gave us work to do. Genesis 2:15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. See, even from the beginning, God gave men work to do. When Jesus came to earth, God honored work. Who was the first one out there that the angel choir came and they, they sang to? There were shepherds abiding in the field. In that same country, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. His birth was first told to those working shepherds. Then again, Jesus also earned his living as a carpenter. Mark 6, verse 3. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Jesus was known as a carpenter. He worked with his hands in Joseph's carpenter shop. Third of all, Jesus chose working men as his disciples. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. Now, while you don't see explicit uh, jobs, job titles that the other disciples had, you can be sure that they were working men because, you know, the Lord tends to, to, to grab hold of people who are doing something. The Bible doesn't tell us what Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Thaddeus, and James, and Thomas, and Judas were did for a living, but it's pretty safe to say they had jobs. But Jesus called them all to another job. Come on, I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 10, 7, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. When he sent them out to minister, that was what his instructions were there. And what was Jesus saying to them? He didn't want them to keep going out begging from house to house. You got anything to eat? No, no, no. He expected his disciples to earn their keep. The laborer is worthy of his hire. So why do so many people think of work then as something bad? Oh, I gotta go to work tomorrow morning. <laughs> if, if, you, if you think of work as something bad, then be out of it for a while. I guarantee you, your, your mind will change. Your mind will change. Why do people think of work as something bad? I tell you why, because sin caused work to be unpleasant. Yeah, it was sin that caused work to be unpleasant. Uh, Genesis 3, 17 through 19. Then Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of the, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, 
I don't know anybody that eats thorns and thistles. You shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Hmm. Tough. Went from enjoying life, meeting after doing his naming activities and so forth, meeting with God in the cool of the day, just chewing the fat to the sweat of the brow action. See, Adam enjoyed tending the Garden of Eden until sin changed things. We think work, or we think of work a lot of times as some necessary evil. Some people do as little as possible. And if we don't have to work, we often choose not to do it. The idea seems to be to get more money for doing less work. Now some people say, that's just working smart. Well, in a way. But work is still there. This leads to the idea of someone else doing work for you a lot of times. Some people choose to be employers. They hire other people as employees to do the work. Some of us can tell you that sometimes make you have to work harder when you, than when you didn't have employees. Frequently, though, labor and management are in this adversarial relationship. Um, labor wants the most money for the least work. Management wants the most work for the least money. <laughs> that is definitely going to create an adversarial relationship. Say, anybody in here that had chores to do when you were a kid? Amen. <laughs> And some people, your allowance quote was contingent on it. Some of them, they didn't even say, allowance? You're supposed to do that, boy. Watch the audition. You know, scrub that floor. You know? But you had chores to do. And that wasn't a bad thing. You, were, you and I were taught to earn our keep, so to speak. Um, that, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that idea. Uh, but, you know, it seems that the further along we go, the more privileged our kids seem to want to be. They don't think they should do chores even sometimes and give a little, you know, they get like the camel. They want to have a hump every time they are asked to do something. <laughs> Did you fold those clothes yet? <laughs> See, they used to have a story when I was little about the ca how the camel got his hump. And that was one of our little kids' stories. I remember that to this very day. Calvin used to have a nice, smooth back like a horse, you know. And he said, one too many times. And he got a that he had to carry around with him. Now, consequently, sometimes we look at it and we say, are we raising a generation of kids that don't want to work, that expect things to just be given to them for doing nothing? Sometimes, yeah. But back to the story. At around 6 o'clock that same morning, now keep in mind, he went overboard at 2 a.m. Around 6 a.m., Sigelman Third Class Elgin Staples was rescued by a passing destroyer, and he was returned to the Astoria, whose captain was attempting to save the cruiser by running her aground, by beaching her. However, the effort failed, and Staples, still wearing the same life belt, soon found himself back in the water. 
Stick a pin in that. We'll be back. The second point. This world's work system is not the Christian way. This world's work system is not the Christian way. Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he's a slave or free. And you masters do the same thing to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. And the worker said, amen. <laughs> Now think about it, do those, work, those verses describe most workplaces? Even though slavery has been abolished in this country, you know, many, many workers think they're still treated like slaves and many people will say, you know, my boss think he's a slave driver. Yeah, depending on where you are. Many employers have an attitude, attitude like a, a master. They, they treat their employees like they're, they're slaves. Uh, but God cares about how we conduct our business and how we treat others. We will all face judgment, both employers and employees. And when we are reading that covenant, note that part in there that it has to do with that. Because we, we say it every time we take communion, but I think a lot of times it goes right over our head. The Christian cannot separate his business life from his spiritual life. He has no right to act like some profligate heathen from Monday through Friday and then suddenly on Sunday he develops this polished halo. The Christian does not live for himself alone or herself alone. Money is an opportunity to help somebody, to help others. Ephesians 4.28 says, let him who, is, who stole steal no longer but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Ooh, amen, sinners, if there was one. If we all did like some of those Christians, now think about to those beginning verses. <laughs> and what does it say, that there was a lot going on there in those verses from First and Second Thessalonians? There was a, a kind of common theme there, it says, you know, aspire to lead that quiet life and mind your own business. And, and you know, work, work diligently. Don't be disorderly. Again, don't be a busybody. And we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Now there was a reason that the writer spoke that way to them, because there were issues along those very lines. But the deal is, what if we refuse to earn any money? Think about it. Not only would you be unable to support yourself, but you couldn't give to the church. 
The church couldn't pay its bills. The church couldn't help anybody in need. Back to the story. Close to 12 noon, Navy Seaman Staples was picked up again, this time by the USS President Jackson. He was one of 500 survivors of the battle who were evacuated to Numea. Safely on board the ship, for the first time, Staples actually closely examined this life belt that had served him so well. Found that it had been manufactured by Firestone Tire and Rubber Country Company of Akron, Ohio, and that it had a registration number on it. Keep that in mind, because that's important. And in a little while, as Paul Harvey used to say, we'll get the rest of the story. Now the third point is, as a Christian, we should do the best that we can for others. Colossians 3, 23 through 24, um, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve men, you serve the Lord Christ. Hallelujah. Puts a different spin on it. When you go to work and you think, ultimately the Lord is my boss. So when your boss is act, your earthly boss is acting crazy, you can say, mm-hmm. And then you can go and pray for him. Amen, likes. <laughs> you have been listening to Voice of Hope. To support our ministry, text GIVE to 240-493-8490. God bless you for giving. <laughs> Amen. Pray for one. Pray something happens. No, no, let's not do that. Let's not pray something happens to them. <laughs> Except for the, 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 the power of the Lord falling upon them. And then you won't have to worry about that anymore. Because if you pray that way, then not only have you gained a brother, hallelujah, or sister in Christ, but your life will become a little bit more manageable in that situation. Guaranteed. Christian employees should do more than expected, more than expected because they work for the Lord. Christian employers do the best, not the least they can for their employees because they also have a master. So here's a question for you. Suppose you got a job around the house to do and you know it's, it's a little bit more than you can handle so you, you figure that the worth of that job is worth about 150 bucks. And you got two people who are willing to do the job. One man says he'll do the job for 150, and you know that's about what it's worth. And then another one for 100. Well, which person should the Christian hire? Well, you know, I'm trying to keep some money in my pocket because, you know, that'll help me be able to give more. Yeah, right. <laughs> the deal is that God is not putting you in a box. You're free to hire either one of them. 
but you should still pay them what the job is worth. What'd you say? Yes, you should still pay them what the job is worth. Because that's what you figured in the beginning that the job was worth. And you'll be bragging how, much, how you got over if you don't pay them that. Amen, lights. Amen. But that's what the job is worth. By your own admission. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do, do also to them. Whatever you want men to do, do also to them. Amen. If an employee can get by with messy work, he doesn't have the right to do it just because nobody's always on his back or over his shoulder. See, that's one thing about it. If I write something, if I write a song or whatever, I want it to be halfway counted together and, and serve the purpose that it was written for. Because whether I'm there or not, that song represents me. And I use that as an example because, you know, back in the 90s, I wrote a song for one of many, but I wrote a song for the school song, for the school where I work. And so when all, every time the new staff comes in and they hear it and they're like, ooh, you wrote that? I said, yeah. And they, they, don't, they don't say it, their, their face, facial expression and all that says it. And they're, they're thinking, I, I think, wow. That's not half bad. But if I'm writing anything, I write, write it with the purpose that this song is supposed to be for. So if I'm writing a song for the school children, I'm writing it about things that the school children should be focused on. So they, they sing the song, and a part of it is, you know, you know, come and join us. We're the Tigers of school mascot. It's something we think you ought to see. We're the greatest school in all the land. You give them something to be proud of. Why? Best from A to Z. Because we're reading, we're writing, learning math and science. Every day there's a new discovery. Now, who doesn't want their kid to go to school and do that? That's the whole idea. And guess what? I figure if they sing it every day they come to school, and they do for the morning uh, opening and stuff, somehow it's got to sink into some of them at least. But the idea is that I didn't want to turn out shoddy work in whatever I do. Because if my name is on it, then somebody's going to look and say, mm, not going to hire him. Not gonna, I don't want him to do that. Okay. Why? Because I work as unto the Lord. If you're in Christ, you should know that people are worth more than property. The Bible tells us repeatedly, love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. Hallelujah. People are so important, so it's vital that we try to treat them right. Ephesians 4.11. And it was he who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the works of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. Notice that word in there, equip the saints for what? Works 
a ministry to build up the body of Christ, edify us, in other words, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God as we mature to the full measure of the stature of Christ. So we can be no longer infants tossed about by the waves, carried about by every wind of teaching and clever cunning of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ himself, who is the head. From him, the whole body, fitted and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love through, here's that word again, the work of each individual part. Hey, glory. See, we, we're the ones that separate. This is secular work. This is work for Christ. No. Whatever you do, you represent Christ. Whatever I do, I'm representing Christ. Is it, is it always great? No, sometimes I scan my knees at, at, at what I'm trying to do or whatever, you know, figuratively. And I said, that was kind of messy. Sometimes I find myself having to apologize. You know what? I, I think I can do a better job at that. So you, you, can, you can use that as a placeholder, but I, I'd like to another crack at that. See, there's work concerning the body, and there's work that we do as everyday work, but guess what? That everyday work that we do is still concerning the body. It's still concerning the body. And you never know when the opportunity is going to crop up for that aha moment with your coworker. With mine, it was at the funeral of the husband of one of them, one of many, I pray, uh, at the funeral of the husband of a coworker a few years ago. And we were going through, and the, the preacher was, you know, giving the, the um, funeral message, the homily, and as he was preaching the message and he was going to scripture, well, they didn't have enough Bibles in the pew. So some, some of the verses, I was just rolling with him. And my coworker was sitting beside me. She just kept looking like. She said, you're not reading that. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then I just went on back to, you know, paying attention to him. And the thing about it was that this made an impression on her. She was from India. And she was brought up in that system and along with uh, some of their beliefs from that particular area, which were not, distinctly not Christian. But in the service, it was making an impression on her what was coming from the pulpit and what was coming, what was going on beside her. And see, the Lord uses things, the Lord doesn't waste anything, let me put it that way. The Lord doesn't waste anything. A lot of times you think, why am I going through this? And 10 years later, you find out that you got something. You have a task that involves the very thing that you were saying, Lord, if I never have to do this again. And you are the only one there that is suited to do it. And you didn't know, but God was setting, that, setting you up to be bumped up. So there are rewards for doing a good job. Listen again, Colossians 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. They are rewards for doing a good job. And now the rest of the story. When the soldier was given leave to go home, Seaman Staples went and told his story, and he asked his mother, who incidentally worked for Firestone, about the purpose of the number that was on the belt. She replied that the company insisted on personal responsibility for the war effort, and that the number was unique and assigned to only one inspector. Staples remembered everything about that life belt because it had saved his life, and he quoted the number to her. Well, guess what? It was his mother's personal code. And affixed to every item that she was responsible for approving in her job. Now, don't you think Miss Staples was glad that she had performed well on the job? Not knowing that that item that she had to approve or disprove was going to be a part of her son's saving grace when he was out there in the middle of the ocean. True story. See, it pays both in this life and the life to come to do our best. How we carry those principles of Christ into our work area is important. Our work performance becomes a Christian ministry. And this gives work new meaning. This gives our work new dignity. Sometimes when it's getting on our last nerve, we, we need a change of mind in that regard. We can't claim to be Christians if our Christianity is only a one day a week affair, or for some of us a three or four hour affair. Now I can get back to being me. No, that's not the way that works. God does care about what you do Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, whether you are an employee or an employer. And there's good and great encouragement in knowing this. So we here at Labor Day, Labor Day weekend. Let's be thankful for the health we have to do our work. Let's be thankful for the job that the Lord has blessed us with. And let's work to the best of our abilities that we might be faithful witnesses for Christ in the same. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, oh God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are in all things, oh God. You are in the midst of our lives, oh God. You care about us, Heavenly Father. You not only number the hairs on our head, but you also are very concerned about the moments and minutes of our lives, oh God, and how we dedicate and, and those things that we do with those minutes, oh God. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name that we might know you better, that we might study to show ourselves approved, and that we might allow what we have studied to become part and parcel of our everyday walk with you. This is our prayer with thanksgiving through Jesus Christ our Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Voice of Hope. To support our ministry, text GIVE to 240-493-8490. God bless you for giving. To learn more about our ministry, 
visit www.theunitedchristianchurch.org. May God's blessings always be with you.